0: Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's Alabama AgCast. This week we have some special guests with us. We've actually traveled to Aliceville, Alabama, where we're on the D River Ranch with Annie D and Seth Moore. Annie, welcome to the AgCast.
2: Thank you, Mike. Thanks for taking the time to travel over here to be with us today.
1: Well, I don't usually come this close to Mississippi, and I was happy to do it to get over to see you guys in this wonderful operation that that y'all have. Seth, how are you doing today? Good today. Thanks for having us. All right. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about succession planning, but first, tell us about your operation and uh, just give us an overview of what D-River Ranch is.
0: Well, we're here on the Alabama-Mississippi line. We do farm in both states. We uh, we farm corn and soybeans. We also have beef, cattle and timber. We're
2: row cropping about 4,000 acres and, uh, of corn and soybeans and we put in some irrigation to help us be more sustainable probably ten, just about 10 years ago with the help of Alabama Ag Credit. So uh, what we saw at that time was our crops were coming along good and then we'd get to June or July and the rains would stop and our crop would stop and we would just have failure after failure so really that investment has helped us really to change our bottom line it was a cost in the beginning but it really has paid off wonderful well i know uh Alabama
1: Ag Credit, who is sponsoring the AgCast, they uh, they work with farmers on a daily basis to help them expand their operation. And so we're always grateful uh, that they're there uh, when we need them for those loans or for that type of expansion. Let's get into the subject of succession planning. To begin, what made you think of succession planning, of starting that conversation?
2: Well, let's back up kind of about our structure and kind of how we got here, where we are today. We moved here in nine. 1989, my parents owned property in Florida and we had an operation there and we moved our whole operation here in 1989. And then over time, they gifted that this whole operation to my 11 brothers and sisters and myself. And so those were the people that owned this operation, but only two of us are here. My brother, Mike, my youngest brother and myself. Um, So once my parents passed away, then we started having some well, I could really see it before they passed away. What we had was the on-farm heirs and the off-farm heirs. And so we really didn't have anything different going on here than any other family across the country that's in agriculture. You can pick up a magazine every month and read about it. And it's so we just had different goals. We, Mike and I, and my son, Seth and Jesse, this is our life and our way of life and our life style and we want to continue it. And the ones that weren't on the farm, what they wanted was either, you know, more income or to really be rid of the asset and have the value of the asset. And we wanted to continue on with what we were doing. So at that time, maybe about 10 years ago, when my parents were both still alive, um, we called in some outside facilitators. And I think to this point, we've had four or five different facilitators to try to help us to talk and communicate um, with where we want to go and try to really understand what each person wants and how most of us can have most of the things that we want.
1: Interesting. Well, Seth, from your standpoint, was it difficult to begin the conversation or was that something uh, where you probably were not in on early on, but I'm sure you've been a part of all that, the the succession and and all the conversation. To my point, I was always really heavily
0: influenced on how it was going to affect me and the operation that we run here uh just being on site uh obviously the death of my grandparents really kind of pushed this thing along and that brought on a lot of conversation and now that uh those people are out of the way for say um we're able to maybe have the next conversation where does generation i guess two how do they pass along to my generation which i would call generation three and and even have me thinking about how i'm going to pass on to my my children at that point
1: so it sounds like that you know once you begin a conversation and and I know it's got to be difficult especially if your parents are alive and you're seeing down the road uh, it's got to be difficult to start that but once you start a conversation about succession of, of how you're going to move forward uh, I imagine it becomes pretty a pretty open conversation that brings you along would you agree with that
0: I, I would say so and it's not always an easy conversation um obviously everyone has in mind what they would like to to see happen, and a lot of those ideas don't always align. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So when you think about what succession planning is, you mentioned it a little bit about off-farm, on-farm type goals. What are some of the stumbling blocks or roadblocks that you know you initially have to get over uh, to kind of move forward with that conversation?
2: some of the very initial uh work that we did with a facilitator was to all of us take a test to determine our communication style and it was very interesting because sometimes we don't really know our own personality or communication style and so when we got the results most of them were exactly on and one sister in particular was very upset because she said that wasn't her style at all because that it really didn't paint the picture that she wanted painted but in truth it was exactly you know she didn't see herself as that is and I think sometimes we don't see ourselves but with 12 of us at the table trying to uh, talk and communicate and there's something with 12 children at the table even as adults there's still this pecking order of the older ones have a little more seniority than the younger ones and I fell right in the middle number six so kind of that uh, trying to lead that they didn't necessarily want to follow anywhere I wanted to lead them so oftentimes I had to kind of be quiet or kind of back down and let a facilitator communicate the exact same things I would try to say that they didn't want to listen to and try to communicate and kind of put it on the table. But it was really a long, hard time for us, our family. And really, what finally turned the corner was a few of my siblings passed away. I lost two sisters in the last year. And so that really kind of pushed it over the edge where we had to make some changes. We had some buy sell agreements that they didn't necessarily all like or agree with because they were kind of tough. And so, really, at the end of the day, I think the important part is really to communicate and stay at the table and keep. Track- trying to make sure that everybody understands where they are, what they have, and kind of what the tools are to move forward to try to get it to wherever they want, whether they want out or they want to stay involved or they want to get to the next generation. So just in this this year, we finally have Mike and I are purchasing the whole um, property from and the whole operation from my remaining siblings or their estate. So that's been a big a big turning point for us. And I think the important part is that this is something we love or we're passionate about. We want to keep doing what we're doing. And the other ones weren't really involved in the day-to-day operation, so it didn't really have the same value to them as it does to us. And nobody, when we got all finished, nobody was completely happy with the outcome of the transition So maybe we had a real good deal now because we're not completely happy and most of them are not completely happy. So really, I think we solved the end. But one of the final uh, facilitators that we used, we had him on the phone when we were having some of the final conversations and he texted me and he said, Annie, he said, remember the end goal. Don't get caught up in the little details that you might not really like. Don't drag, don't draw a line in the sand. I'm not going to pass through this. And now I um, am involved in this project, the DIRT project. And, well, Rena Striegel has started this so far. She's only had one of these, and it's, it's spelled D-I-R-T-T, and it stands for the Dedicated Internal Resource for Training and Transition. So what often happens is you go to some of these meetings, you go to these seminars, and they tell you, no, you know, you're going to have to plan. They try to help you with tax planning or something. You go to a one- or two-day event, and then you go home, and you start trying to make... Make some transition or succession plans, and you don't have all the tools, and you don't have all the people, and you you make an attempt, and it doesn't work right at first, so you quit, and you you know you go back a year or two later, and you get excited, and you want to try again, and it's it's hard, and it's painful, and it's it's a change, and it's 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 a lot of work to make these plans. So, um, Rena has put together, for the most part, going to be a three-day intensive seminar, interactive seminar with the tools and the people and the direction to help um, help people with succession planning and have the professionals or help them understand which professionals they need because you need the legal professionals and you probably need some outside people to help you communicate in your operation no matter whether it's two people or five people or 12 people like we had and how to move these things forward and how to get everybody on the same page and get a win-win situation for everybody because everybody wants it to be fair but what I hear over and over again is fair is not always equal so the people that are involved in the day-to-day operation have different goals than people that aren't so they don't necessarily need to end up with all the same all the same assets at the end of the day. Um, there will be two, right now there are two scheduled seminars, one's in December in Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa, and then there's going to be another one in Birmingham, February the 20th to the 22nd. And there will be some, I think um, Alabama Farmers Federation is going to, or Alpha's is going to advertise some. That'll be some registration for that. I think they're going to partner up a little bit mm-hmm. on some of that. So I just want to you know make people aware that that's a way to start to think about the transition and to learn some of the tools and there will be it'll help people to just get started on it and one of the questions was like at what age should you start thinking about this and uh, Seth and I were talking before you got here today and I think through time as you age your goals change so my goals now aren't always what they were before so now it's very important for me to start to try to transition to succession planning and figure out how to get the next generation, Seth and Jesse, and then their children if they want. We do have a couple of the grandchildren that work here on the farm now that seem very interested that they want to make this their career so to help get those tools to be able to do that, get, learn to communicate better in the operation that we have, and to help with just our day-to-day management, but that'll all be some of the things that'll be covered when in these seminars.
1: We'll put a link in the show notes about the DIRT program so that people can uh, look into it a little bit more. Well, Seth, you are witness to a lot of the, the buyout, this last uh, aspect of Mike and Annie taking over the operation. What were your impressions? Well,
0: at first, I didn't really like the agreement that we all settled to being on-site. Um, and like she said, a lot of people weren't, even off-site, weren't that happy with the way things went. But there was, we were very fortunate to uh, negotiate a deal out of court. Um, just earlier this week, my mom and I were at a farmer conference in Idaho with farmers from all around the country. And uh, I heard a few different stories of uh, at least one family um, had a, a farm in Kentucky southern Kentucky and uh, it was around 20,000 acres and they also had another farm in northern Florida that was around 15,000 acres and the on-site um, heirs had to end up selling one of the farms, ended up being the farm in Florida to pay off the off-site um, family members um, and they said that really no one won uh, they were they were happy to just keep one of the farms or one of the operations But really what took place was it got tied up in court and the lawyers ended up with more money than anyone out of the whole deal. So no
2: one came out on top, only the lawyers at that point. The fortunate part for us was that, that we didn't get to that point. It looked like it possibly could have gotten to that point, but we kept backing up and trying again and backing up and trying again until we all reached an agreement that nobody was completely happy with. But the lawyers didn't get any of our money about fighting. Um, they did. We did use legal teams to draw up documents to transition Um, We used accounting firm that we have used forever that's very familiar with all of our operations. And so we did pay money to those teams, but we did not end up in a court battle where the lawyers got more money than we ended up with. So that is a big success for our family i would I would put that in the win column
1: <laughs> absolutely, Seth. Let me ask you and, and you too, annie about about your legacy when you look down the road and your uh children grandchildren, and this really applies to both of you when they look back at uh, how you ran the operation of your day to day or of your uh of your long term goals uh, what impressions do you want to leave with them?
0: I can always remember from a young age i was I was born on uh I was raised on the farm and I remember my grandfather, he was always, his goal was to always make things better. And it might've not always been profitable, but it was easier for us on down the road. And my mother also was always trying to move forward, make things better, be more sustainable, try to lead, to build on what we have and then be able to carry this thing on. Her goal, she's always told me her goal is for us to be able to carry this out if we so choose. And I would say my goal would be the same for my children. They seem to be interested at this point, and they, they help us occasionally. They're young, but they enjoy being here. And, and I, I would like to think that hopefully I can make a, a sustainable future for them as well if they
1: choose. Absolutely. Uh, Annie, what kind of legacy do you want to leave for your future generations?
2: Well, first of all, I want people to think I was a great person and a good person. Um, Some of my passion, I wasn't raised on a farm when I tell the long version of my story. That's an important part of it, because everything that I know now and that I do, and I like to teach and preach about soil health and organic matter and cover crops and no-till, and that's some of my passion, and I think I have become well-known for that, but I didn't grow up knowing those things, so I've learned all that and I want to be known as a great farmer and an innovator and you know that I wasn't afraid to try things and that I was like Seth said making things better. We're in the process right now of building some new grain handling facility, new storage uh, grain bins and a new dryer and donk pits and a whole big elaborate operation that once again we've gone back to Alabama Ag Credit and they wanted to team up with us. They're eager to team up with us and help us be successful because right now, uh, when we harvest, we ha- we the first thing that we noticed after we put in the irrigation was that we had so much more corn to harvest that we couldn't get it hauled away fast enough. So we expanded a little bit in our grain storage at that point. But still, we have to haul a lot of corn out of the field and away at harvest time. So we have to compete with other farmers to get to the destination. And we have long lines and different things. So we are trying to change some of that so we can move corn we're trying to be able to better manage our harvest time where we get the grain out of the field and get it in our storage bins and then we can move it at our convenience and oftentimes the price is higher not it's almost always higher not at harvest time so right at harvest time the price goes down because everybody has to move it and there's a cost of storing it so that's often calculated in there but it'll give us we have very few employees Now, mostly family and three other full-time employees and a couple of part-time employees. So we are very limited on our labor force. So it's important for us to be able to utilize the assets that we have and be able to hold on to our corn and move it when we want to use our own trucks and move it to our poultry feed mill at our own will and when they want it. So it'll it'll be more valuable to us.
1: Very interesting. I mean, uh, the, the fact that your operation was growing so much and you had to, uh, as you said, reach out to Alabama Ag Credit. As we're re- kind of wrapping up, how's that experience? I know you've used them. Uh, you've talked to them a, a few times and, and worked with them a bunch. But what's that experience been like for you?
2: Well, they first came to us to try to lend us money. When we first started with the irrigation project, it's kind of funny. We put in a couple of pivots just to see what was going to happen. And it made so much difference. We wanted to go ahead and put in a lot more. And uh, there was a farmer that was, he happened to be a farmer, but he also was involved with the Lindsay Corporation. And he had, he was an equipment dealer. And he said, Annie, he said, if I bring a combine over, would you test it? What was that brand? It was a Matthew Ferguson. I said, okay, sure, because we, we were just running one combine at that time. I thought, sure, I'll you know, run a free combine, bring it over. So he brought the combine over. I got all in the controls. He got me all set up where I was comfortable with what the controls were going to do because it wasn't like my John Deere. So anyway, we're going down through there, and he reaches down under his seat, the passenger seat, and he pulls out this whole notebook, and he has laid out my whole farm in circles and what we could do, he's gone to the FSA office, I guess. I don't know how he got exactly what he got. And he created the whole irrigation plan for our whole farm. And he said, look, you could do this. Well, the next thing I know, the Lindsay people are coming into my house. And then at the same time, Alabama Ag Credit comes. We've invited them, I guess. I can't really remember, <laughs> like, thinking we were going to go forward with this whole big plan. But Alabama Ag Credit's are listening to the Lindsay people pitch us this whole irrigation. Irrigation project, and they said, Okay, you know, let us know when you want to do it. So they made it very easy for us. They came to us and they made it very easy for us to make that big step. And let me back up. Some of my siblings weren't involved in that decision, and it was quite expensive because we built a 115 acre reservoir that's 50 feet deep at the deepest place and put in this elaborate, very expensive system. And I knew that we needed to do it, and I was never going to be able to get all my siblings go along with it. So I got a couple of them that had some influence to just agree with me. And I what I promised at that point was I would stay here and see it out until we got it paid off. And uh, it's, you know, it's just been a, a great, great venture for us. And it led one thing to another that we need more grain storage and then we need, we still need more irrigation. So it's kind of an ongoing thing in Alabama. I credit is there to help us, you know, with the, with the financial obligation, help us to understand that we can pay it. Often, I'm now on the board of directors of Alabama Ag Credit. And one of the things I've tried to encourage them to do is to go to get knowledgeable people, maybe an economist or another farmer, maybe even me, to go around to farms that don't have irrigation or don't have grain storage and help them see how much more sustainable, hopefully, how much more profit they could make in the long run if they just risk a little bit and went ahead with some of those big investments such as irrigation and grain storage, because they kind of go together. You need some storage because you just can't get, it makes so much difference. You can't get the grain hauled away fast enough. Well, that's very interesting. You're growing so fast.
1: You're able to utilize uh, the land that you have and better make use of the soil. I know that you had had some difficulty uh, with the soil. You were dealing with some aspects of what type of soil this is and how to work with it and no-till and and things like that. So, uh, I applaud your your efforts, Uh, you and your your family for uh, being able to uh, work in this area and expand it and make it just a, a beautiful farm and a, a very efficient and uh, profitable farm for you as well. Seth, anything? What did I miss? I think we're good. I mean, we touched on a little bit uh, on how
0: irrigation brought us to where we are now. And and uh, we talked about how my grandfather brought us to this point. And the irrigation project was really my uncle and my mother's project. And I wasn't really sure about it. It was going to be more work for us. And really, I, I was wrong. Uh, we more than doubled our yield in, in one, one season uh, just by irrigating. And like I said, it led to another problem. So that, you, you heard me say sustainability. That's a big word in agriculture right now. Right. That made us more sustainable. But then now the next step is, is more storage. Uh, the, the ability to market, the ability to, to hold on to the crop, the ability to even get your crop out of the field. So yet again, uh, another cost-effective measure, but it's going to give us the ability to be sustainable, and and, I, and that's the future for for us here and the future of agriculture.
1: Any. Thank you so much for your time today, Seth. Thank you uh, as well. Uh, This has been a a wonderful conversation, and we hope that uh, if you have not started some sort of succession planning for your operation, that you start that conversation today. Uh, So thank you both again for being a part of the Alabama AgCast.
2: Thank you for coming over here today and making the effort to get to Aliceville, Alabama. I like to say people don't accidentally come to Aliceville, but it's a great place, and we're real happy to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: And now, your weekly Ag cash wrap-up.
3: All right, folks, welcome back for this week's weekly wrap-up. Uh, I'm Mitt Walker with Alabama Farmers Federation, and today I'm really excited to introduce um, all of you to a new employee who's joining us uh, this week, um, Mr. Chris Perbatt. Chris comes to us from the uh, Extension system down in Florida, and uh really excited to have Chris coming on board to take care of our uh beef, hay and forage, goat and sheep, and equine division so Chris, welcome, glad to have you on the team
4: thank you i'm I'm definitely glad to be back here in the state of Alabama. just uh getting back home and and working with farmers and ranchers here in Alabama has uh definitely been on uh my bucket list.
3: Absolutely. Well, when you say back home, tell us a little bit about yourself. You grew up in Auburn, is that right?
4: Yes. So I grew up in Auburn.
3: I was there for uh, about 20, 22 years
4: and then uh, headed south to to work for the University of Florida for eight and a half years. So uh, Auburn's definitely my home though. So uh, just glad to be back
3: home close. Great. Well, we're glad to be able to to bring you back. Um, Tell us just a little bit about the work you were doing with uh, the extension system down in Florida. Yeah, so I was uh,
4: a state extension specialist focusing on beef cattle and forage economics. So I I did a lot of budgeting. I worked on livestock marketing for, for beef cattle animals and a lot of forage economics. So I specialized with cool season annual forages and warm season annual forages, and then some legume species as well, studying those, researching those and then just sharing outreach uh products with uh with clientele that were in the southeast generally.
3: Great. Great. You even did a little sheep work back in the day too, I understand. I did. I yeah. did.
4: So I've, I've I've definitely been passionate about uh uh sheep and and beef cattle for a long time. Uh it's just the activity of of spending time on the grill with with sheep and with steaks with beef and it's just something that uh it It's really good
3: entertainment for me. Great. Well, we're thrilled to have you here. Um, You know, just wanted to take today to to give you a quick introduction to our folks that listen to the podcast every week. Um, I know you're excited about getting out and meeting everybody, so I know a lot of the people listening today will be hearing from you real soon, and I look forward to having them get the opportunity to know you a little better. Yeah, absolutely.
4: It'll take a little while, but uh, I'm I'm glad to uh, just be back here, start attending some meetings, meeting with some producers with ranchers in in alabama and just uh glad
3: to be here and to get out and uh visit with producers great well chris thanks again for joining us today we look forward to the great things you're going to be doing moving forward and um to all of our listeners out there today thanks for joining again alabama
0: AgCast is sponsored by our friends at alabama ag credit give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs for more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org agcast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast.